Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with Leo Flowers. Today I have joining me Sky Berger, uh, Sky with an E, and she's going to talk about uh, how to deal with trauma. She speaks to, uh, she travels the world speaking to different organizations uh, from schools to uh, police departments uh, about how to deal with uh, their own trauma and how to help people deal with their trauma. Uh, And then she also talks about the trauma that she has experienced and why she's going to three different therapists uh, and how she is running her business and uh, succeeding with five children. She has five children uh, and she's also in the middle of a, a huge transition which we'll get to in the um, in the episode. The reason why I'm um, giving some uh, context to the episode mainly is because uh, we Skyped the session. So the audio uh, is going to be a little wonky. Hers is going to be nice and uh, clear. Mine will sound a little off because I had to stream it through uh, uh, one input. Uh, so please bear with me. But just know that her audio is going to be great. Mine's going to sound a little weird. And uh, so let's get into it. So excited. This is going to be, uh, there's so much information. I took so many notes during this uh, podcast episode. And uh, I'm excited to share it with you. I have my master's in organizational behavior. And so I have a concentration in executive coaching. And so um kind of a, a roundabout way I started life coaching just because um, well I'm active on social media so people would see some you know some things that I was talking about and they would ask me to help them get their lives together and so I was start creating life plans um, for people and kind of went into that but I don't coach a lot that's really minor to what I do usually that's like one-offs in the fall I'll start mastermind where I will be coaching more but right now that's not primary I, uh, I mostly speak and I train youth serving organizations um, and I'm actually branching out into other organizations like law enforcement and um, schools well they're youth serving but just other community entities that are really based around trauma and so I really just provide information about trauma in kind of a fun way I don't want to say fun it's just that I'm not boring when I speak <laughs> and so dynamic is the word that is usually used when I'm described And um, so I I really just help people understand trauma and to treat human beings like they're human. And so, you know, that falls into a lot of category. You know what? That's so powerful because uh, I realize I have to stop watching um, Law and Order SVU. And I know (laughs) this is random, but it's like somebody described it to me as um, you're just watching either victims or victimizers. And you subconsciously, as you're watching it, are taking in their trauma, right? Because that's the whole point of watching a a movie or a TV show is to um, uh, feel what they're feeling. Absolutely. And I was just like, man, I am traumatizing myself every night at 8 (laughs) p.m. You schedule it and everything. You're like, I signed up for this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Because when yeah. you watch that, like you don't feel better after you watch, you know, these cop shows or, um, you know, a Lifetime movie or whatever. But you watch a comedy and you feel great, you know. 
Yeah, I um I actually couldn't watch Game of Thrones during the like this last season. I couldn't watch it during because my anxiety is too bad. I like go crazy. I'm like I don't know what happened. Like like where's Ariana? Like yeah. I, I can't take it. And so usually <laughs> usually I binge those shows. And I want to say it started with The Walking Dead because I'm a vampire like fanatic. And so I I just couldn't watch it like that. Like after I don't know if you watch The Walking Dead. Let me make sure. Uh, I watched the first uh, three episodes, uh, three seasons. Okay, so I can't and- even remember when they killed Glenn. I don't know. It was sad. Oh. But w- the first time Glenn died, when he really didn't die, I was on a cruise and my daughter called me crying. I could hear nothing like in, I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise, but we're like at the dinner table. Yeah. And so we're at, we're like, you know, fancy dress. All of a sudden, all I hear is my baby. <laughs> I'm like, what's wrong? Oh, my God. Something has happened at home and I can't get home. I'm like, what happened? What happened? What, what happened? He's dead. I'm like, what happened? Glenn. I'm like, only Glenn we know. He's going to walk dead. So I had like pull it back. And I'll never forget that. But I'm like, you probably don't need to be watching this show either like that because right. yeah. it just got really bad. So. <laughs> but no, I. You get invested in those characters. You, don't you even, do. Like, care. Yeah. Yeah. I, when, when Abraham, like when they got Abraham, I'm I'm crying. And anytime you have a visceral reaction, see, the thing is, your brain doesn't know the difference between something fake going on and something real going on. And so when those two overlap, it's just bad all the way around yeah. um, for you, especially psychologically. And so, no, I cried when Abraham got killed. I cried because I was thinking about Sasha. Oh, I'm getting like too far into these characters. Right. But I was like, oh, my God, she finally got a bay on the show because I was worried about the thing going on. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, she finally got a bay on the show. And now he gone. And then old girl was like trying to get over him. I was like, this is going to be a mess. And so <laughs> I cried. I was so sad. My kids are sitting there looking at me like, you know, this is TV. I'm like, no, but they have yeah, love. So it's real life. <laughs> Excuse me while I take a moment, please. Right. I was, was so sad. I, they, TV just messes me up. So I can say that at this point, I can't watch anything because I'm like, really, should I watch Game of Thrones? Because I couldn't even get on the Internet while while the while the season was going on because people oh, were going to ruin it for me. Spoilers. Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> now, do you also do the thing where speaking of the Internet um, and because I, I my anxiety goes through the roof really quickly also. So I I, I try not to get on the internet until like middle of the day or later in the evening, you know, versus grabbing my phone first thing in the morning and scrolling through. And all of a sudden 10 car crashes, you know, uh, somebody's been shot and I'm like, Oh, the day is ruined. <laughs> right? No, that's me. <laughs> I can't do anything on my phone until I have, well, when I get a routine is usually like I pull myself out of bed. Every day is a struggle. I don't want to act like it's not, um, it's every day is a struggle. It's like, okay, I got to get up and face today. Um, school is out for my children. I'm a mother of five, but I have three at home. Um, two are in college. So that's two less people I have to worry about, but I have the three at home. And so they pretty much, um, like we get up, we have our morning routine. I get up way before them still. Like I said, I get out of bed. I, uh, I take a shower and then I meditate and then it's on to whatever they want me to cook them for the day. Yo, so I, and then I, I, I would never get out of bed. I'm going to tell you that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Five, oh, eight, you would. And two <laughs> in college? Yeah, I had two in college. I had one at Purdue because I saw you went to Ball State. I was like, how yeah. did you land in Indiana for a while? That's crazy. But um, I had one at Purdue and one at IU. And so my oldest is she's going into her senior year of college and um, she's going to be a physical therapist. So she's looking into grad schools, but she may land in California. And then my daughter, my other daughter, is a sophomore at Purdue and she's studying nursing. Wow. And how old are you? 
Cause you look young. You look like you, you go, you like, like you last year at college too. Oh, well, thank you. So I have been getting around 22 to 24 and I'm okay with that. Um, and actually when I, when I'm out with my oldest daughter, people think like she's like my older sibling and I'm like, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> well, um, I am actually 37. 37. And, um, yeah. So vegan and water and yoga and meditation probably keep me right. So. Yo, how long have you been vegan? I've been vegan for, um, well, it was a journey, but for, I want to say the last, I think I went vegan in 17. It's kind of hard to keep up with it now. Um, my daughter, actually my 19 year old, the sophomore at Purdue, she was diagnosed with lupus. And so before then I was, um, I was pescatarian and a little bit pescapolo. I was still eating chicken and, um, and fish and she was diagnosed with lupus. And I was trying to research like, what can we do? How can we overcome this? What is it that we, when that needs to happen? Right. And, um, Everyone, everything, everywhere said, you know, plant-based diet. I was like, okay, cool. Well, this was this was really simple for me. So, you know, I started meal prepping in a different way, making sure that she can have meals. And I was went to Costco. I don't know if you guys have Costco out there. Went to Costco oh, yeah. and you know bought all these containers to make sure that the meals are okay. And so, as any parent would, you know, I would have like little kind of financial meetings with her, and I would go through her bank statements to see where her money was going because she had a job. And this girl had every fast food restaurant there was in the on her bank statements. So I was so she was vegan for probably three hours. <laughs> and um I I continued on because the first thing that I noticed is that my energy was amazing. Mm-hmm. I was always tired and I work for myself, so I have an office but I travel a lot and I'm training and I work from home and so I was just always like, Oh, it's life, I gotta go and it was just it was bad. And when I went vegan within the first few days, I was like, Wait a minute, something's was wrong. And then my clothes didn't start to fit right. It was really my underwear. I was like, wow, my panties like hanging off. Like what happened? I used to have a lot going on back there and my hips yeah. just started to, to look a little bit differently. And then my face was like glowing and radiating. And I was like, this, there's really something to this. And so when I plateaued in about two months, I had lost 40 pounds that I did not think I needed to lose. You lost 40 pounds in two months. And I didn't think I needed to lose it at wow. all. Yeah. And so like I said, I was a, I was, I was, kind of thick in the right places i wasn't a, a large person um i got noticed in my face when i see pictures i'm like oh that was fat guy i wasn't really fat but i was definitely not what i am right now and so yeah i lost about 45 or well, well 40 40 pounds um when i plateaued and stopped losing weight <laughs> so um i've been vegan since 17 and um and it's it's been lovely so yeah i went vegan for uh i was vegan for three years Mm-hmm. And uh, but it, it, it was it was for selfish reasons. I was just looking out for me. I just wanted to to be healthier. It had nothing to do with the animals or, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. I don't think that's selfish. Um, <laughs> no, man, I mean, no, well, you should be selfish. Like, OK, I, we haven't got on that yet. You should totally be selfish all the time. Be selfish all the time. <laughs> all well, I-, I mean, OK, there's like different there's different levels of being selfish. Like if you're being selfish, it's like I got this cake. I'm going to eat the whole thing because. I'm gonna smash this cake. Like that's different. Yeah. Or it's like if it's a, a family member or a significant other, um, and you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna totally disregard your feelings. Like that. That's one thing. But what I mean by being selfish is that I feel like we should have a level of understanding ourselves and where we are. So I don't think it's selfish if you didn't do it for the animals because people are always like, yeah, I'm. They hear I'm, I'm vegan. They're like, yeah, I like animals too. I'm like, yeah, bro, I had nothing to do with that. It was <laughs> like my, like my daughter had lupus, and I'm like, 
protect right. the baby calves and everything. But no, it had nothing. And, and still, you're, I'm like, oh, that's trying sad. Trying to save your daughter, you're not trying to save animals, right? <laughs> right? No, I was like, no. But well, I'm from Indiana. You, you know, you are Ball State. It's like it's farmland everywhere. I have friends that have cattle and you know, lady cattle and all, all type of things. It's kind of like, oh, they die and um, they eat them. Right. So, no. Sorry. It wasn't about that, but I'm not saying that we should torture animals either. But I also think we shouldn't torture black black people. So, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, mm. <laughs> I'm not going to feel sorry because it's like little, little calf veal now. Somebody's <laughs> having a meal, but I, I have to prepare my sons in a different way for life than everybody else wow. does. I'm not going to like, you know, so I think our priorities have to be straight. I love the way I feel. I appreciate being vegan. Um, if I'm having an emotional time, I will like slide into some salmon real quick and then snap back. <laughs> Um, but beyond no, why, that, but why salmon though? Uh, why? Because I don't, my body. Okay. My, um, my ex has a, his family has two types of restaurants. He's Italian. And so they have an Italian restaurant and they have a soul food restaurant. And I got my body prepared, um, last year. I got my body prepared to be able to eat that type of food again. Cause I was like, man, they're going to have like everything, right? Everything that you can think about. I was like, okay, I'm going to go easier going to a wedding. And when, when we were on the road, my, I felt my heart, my heartbeat, like in my, my wrist and I had irregular heartbeat. And so by the time I got home, I was having chest pain so bad that I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Wow. And so they were doing an EKG and I took my kids cause he's a fireman. So he was on shift and he was like, you need to go get checked out. This is not right. So, and he's the type of person where, um, if he says something wrong, something's probably wrong because he doesn't think anybody's ever sick or wrong or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of a little bit paranoid, but they started an EKG and everything was fine. And the doctor asked me a question. He said, has your diet changed? Like, what's going on? I said, well, I'm vegan. But for the last few days, for the last few months, um, I have been um, inserting like just dairy products back into my uh, into my diet so that I can work up to eat like Italian food with rich cheeses and cream. And he was like, oh, this must be just an esophagus spasm. He got like all the side eye. I'm sorry, what? What was that? Yeah. He was like, yeah, there are esophagus spasms. And I, when I tell you, Leo, I thought I was, I, death was upon me. Like it was like, you know, something happens to me. <laughs> Call your dad. <laughs> right. Tell him I'm gone. So it's just, I mean, no, it was real. I would never go back to eat. And I didn't eat like meat. I wasn't eating. Well, I hadn't eaten pork since college. And so that was like, what, two, or late 19, well, now it's college in 2000. So like 2000, right? I hadn't eaten pork since then. I didn't. I still didn't go back into red meat. It was just like simple things like cream and cheese. Um, I, mean, I probably had some chicken but and salmon. But I, I don't know. I just love salmon. Salmon was one of the last things that I ate. And we, my... um my father-in-law actually like caught the salmon from Lake Michigan. So I thought it was really good and I thought it was clean. But again, coming back to those 40 pounds that I didn't think that I had to lose, that was the last thing that I was eating. And I feel like fish is like not so harmful like to my body. So that's why I just slide into salmon. It's like, I feel like I can justify that and I can cleanse a lot easier and not go back to, um, to meat products so much. No, I can, it completely makes sense. Uh, Cause when I was vegan uh, for three years, I could my it was a point where my uh, in the beginning, my energies uh, increased my energies, my energy. And then after a while, though, uh, I started to uh, start to decrease and mm-hmm. I, I, I found that I couldn't recover. But uh, I realized, like, when I was doing it, I wasn't really uh, being conscious of what I was eating, meaning that I was I was kind of a junk food vegan. So mm-hmm. getting in. Enough grains. I wasn't getting enough uh, seeds, uh, nuts, stuff like that. I was just 
you know, grabbing what whatever was there, whatever was convenient, because I was traveling a lot at the time also. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I, I realized, like, when you go vegan, you have to you have to think a lot more about what you're eating to make sure you're getting in all the minerals and nutrients and supplements right. and things like that. Yeah. Especially omega-3s, right? Yeah, omega-3s and B12 especially. Um, The last few days I started, well, I have dark eyes anyway. I like a raccoon, like in my nature. I'm like a raccoon girl. But um, I noticed that my eyes were a lot darker. And I was like, I have not taken my B12. And then being in Indiana, um, most of us here are vitamin D deficient because, you know, the sun doesn't like to come out and play at all. And um, so I make sure that I take that. But then omega-3 is like, yeah. So so that's probably why I slide back in the salmon as well. And if I want it, I'll eat it. Um, I'm vegan. I love the way I feel. But I don't like when people are always like, oh, you thought you were vegan. You're eating some fish. I'm like, yes, because I need it right now. Right. I don't deprive myself. I do appreciate how I feel. And that's going to talk about other people because they then the food choices they make. I know I make my food choices and I just feel so much better. So, yeah, I think there's a danger in this as well. It's part of the danger with uh, labels. Right. So if you go, uh, I'm I'm a Democrat, then people just expect like you to do everything Democratic. And there's like Republican (laughs) blood in you or vice versa. But same thing with being vegan. It's, you know, if you say outwardly that you're a vegan people i remember when i was drinking um uh, a soda somebody was like you drink soda this is when i was vegan and i was like yeah i drink a soda yeah so uh <laughs> you know yeah yeah there's that and, you know i think that's why more people are saying uh i have a plant-based diet you know that's that's right. that gives them room to you know uh, eat something else uh, or eat fish or eat meat or something like that. But, but, but yeah, it's more about being, it's more about listening to your body than trying right. to adhere to some label. Um, because, uh, you know, you, you just, cause your body changes over time and your needs change. It does. It does so much. And so, um, that's one of the things that, you know, just being able to listen to my body for, for so many things, like actually, the confusion today with our scheduling, it started when I talked with Ayman at first. Um, I needed to reschedule because my, my therapist asked me to reschedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a, I have a few type of therapists, but um, EMDR therapy. Have you, are you familiar with EMDR? Uh, yeah, eye movement rapid desens- desensitization or something like or Yeah, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And, there it and is. so um, I, I was trying to get into her. Because I have experienced some some recent traumas and I hadn't been able to get in. And so I was just really sustaining myself with with tapping. Are you familiar with tapping? Yes. But but can you um, can you go over the EMDR? What kind of treatment that is? And then go into because a lot of. Okay, no problem. Yeah. Okay, so EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy is the number one treatment for trauma, period, when it comes to therapy. One of the things that I really love about EMDR is that you don't have to go so much into your trauma story. Um, what you do is you identify a number between one and 10 um, as far as the feeling that you have around the trauma that you have. And so I've been to, well, my therapist uses two different modalities. She uses hand movement where she'll go like this, like this, back and forth. And you just follow with your eyes. Like, okay, where's your hand at? Let me let me follow with my eyes. And then she also has therotappers. And so they're mechanisms that have a vibration and you hold them in your hand, and so it buzzes, and it kind of goes back and forth. I actually prefer that modality. Um, today, she was using her hands, and I was just kind of like, girl, <laughs> I need my tappers. 
<laughs> I need my tappers back. I'm like, I like, I don't know. There's something satisfying about when my eyes are moving and I, I, feel, like, I feel like I can feel the dissolving at that point. So I'm going to talk to her about that next time I go back on Monday. But um, it's yes, the number one treatment for trauma. If you are interested in looking up anything that has to do with that, it's EMDRIA. So it's the EMDR International Association. Um, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk is the one who really, I don't want to say that he really introduced me to it, but he has a different, um, a, a few different opinions on EMDR and how it works and how deep the trauma has to be as far as the treatment being um, effective. And so um, Dr. Van der Kolk wrote the book, The Body Keeps the Score. And it's one of my favorite books. Um, really? I'm a professor. As, yeah. The, are you familiar? Yeah, I've uh, I, I flipped through the book, um, but I haven't read it like front to back. Yeah, it's I think that that book should be required for anyone that has to interact with any other human. Um, it's that substantial to me. In fact, it's so substantial that I use it as my curriculum for school. I taught um, child maltreatment um, at Indiana Westland University um, for several years. And that's the book that I use as curriculum. Um, because it, it takes you from the understanding of Dr. Bessel van der Kolk's work with Vietnam vets or, you know, other vets. And, but it really takes you through every modality that helps with the body and really understanding how we store trauma. Um, I just think it's, it's phenomenal. I have a book study on it every year and I haven't done one this year yet. I'll probably do that in the fall. Um, there's just been a lot of transition, like I said, personally in my life. And so I have been able to, to dedicate to that. I do that. I do an eight week book study. Um, and it's pay what you can. And then we give the proceeds to um, for children that can have brain maps. Um, yeah, brain maps are are cool, too. And actually, I could actually bring up one and show it to you. But so that I do that just so that I can make sure that everyone is in tune with with this information, because I think that once we understand our bodies as a whole, which is really going back to that selfish trail that I was going down for a little bit. If we understand our bodies and what our bodies are telling us, then I think that we would be. Just better off people. We would be in tune with ourselves. And then when we're in tune with ourselves, we can be in tune with other people. And I think that we have just been trying to kind of cut off our natural need to to serve ourselves because like, oh, no, that's selfish. Don't do that. And I'm like, no, no, no. You should probably listen to that because that's going to be the best advice that you ever get because no one knows you better than yourself. All right. So question. Um, yes. How are we defining trauma? OK, good. Trauma. Oh, wow. Trauma definition. Let me think about one that we should talk about. Um, I get this a lot. And sometimes like if I'm if I'm going to speak an engagement, I just kind of pull from the audience. Like, what is trauma to you? And what does that really mean? I feel as though trauma is any experience that you've had that that leaves a lasting effect that you can never see the world the same again. That's my definition of it. And so because of that, trauma has three different aspects to it. There's an event that occurs. And then there is the experience that you have. And then there is the effect. And so if we think about the three things of trauma. For example, um, do you have oh, you, you have siblings? I was you know, I've been talking just a little bit. You yeah, have I, have, I, I have three sisters. OK, so with your three sisters, you all had some type of life events that you shared, right? They're shared okay. life events. But with your life events, the experience that you have is going to be different. And so that's where I like to use the term um, like big T trauma and little t trauma. And sometimes I'll go big T trauma and little T trauma because it really depends on how you've been impacted by that experience. The event is the same. Like I have, I have, I have, well, actually I have like, um, my father has six kids, my mother, and we all have different moms. <laughs> and then I grew up with one brother. So that's a little bit of my 
ridiculousness in the background. But the brother that I grew up with, like we can have family event stories that we talk about all the time. And his experience is so different from mine. And I'm like, where were you? Right. I, was, I was not there. What are you talking about? That is not what happened. But it all comes back to the fact that we all have a different experience within the events that we're participating in. And the lasting effect of that event is where it can be determined. Big T trauma, little T trauma or just something that went down. And so it really just depends on what end of the spectrum that you're at and how you interpret those things. That's how we, we're going to define trauma. Um, yeah, me, my, uh, me and my younger sister, we were talking about uh, our childhood and we both just had that conversation of like, are, do we grow up in the same household? Because, you know, like I saw it one way, she saw it another way. And, um, and it was interesting is, is, and, and, and it makes you realize when you watch those shows where the wife, where the, the husband's a killer and the wife is like, I didn't know. Like, <laughs> right. I get it. Like, no, right now, nobody in my family killed anybody. But no, I um, it's you, you just think in, in such a small space, you would know everything that's taking place. But uh, so much can happen behind closed doors. Right. Uh, no, I um I totally agree with that. And it's everybody's experience. Like we're we all take in the world through our bias. We take in the world through what we've seen, through what we know and how our brain allows us to um, put everything together to help us understand it. And so no one experience is the same. I always like I have a, an example of like I was a good kid in school. Um, You would never know what was going on in my home. Um, I have an A score of seven. There are a few things we need to come back to. I know tapping we need to come back to, but right. also the adverse childhood experience study. I don't know if you've ever talked about that. I've never heard of it. Oh my goodness. We are going to have so much fun. Okay. Let me make sure I write that down. What was that called? Average what? It's it's the adverse childhood experience study. Oh, adverse childhood. Yep. And it's, and so the, for short, it's called the ACE study. Um, and then also we got to come back to tapping, but I'm just keeping a few notes. Okay. So, um, I totally forgot where we were going with that. What were we just talking about? Uh, we're talking oh, about big T, little T trauma, and um, I yeah, I forget we were talking about event, experience, effect, and growing up in the same household. Yeah, I had a and... story, but it's okay. I have plenty of stories. We can move on, <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to uh, either aces or tapping. We so, well, let's no, go ahead. So, so let's go back to the tapping because okay. I'm sure our listeners are like, I, what, what's the tapping? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. I'm going to disappear, but I am listening. I'm just grabbing something right now. Okay. No, you're fine. Um, let me see. I may actually have a diagram um, available to, to use, but with tapping is tapping is um, a meridian and acupuncture, like where your meridians come together and your acu and acupuncture, you kind of talk, you press on those areas and then you make, you make a statement to yourself. So let me just give you a little bit of background about tapping. I have no idea where tapping came from. All I know is that the meridians are utilized in as far as, like I said, acu acupuncture. Um, but the Rwandans, some of the Rwandan survivors who were children, they used tapping on them and they were able to actually heal from their trauma where other therapy um, modalities weren't able to help them. And everybody saw Hotel Rwanda, you know, shout out to Don Cheeto. Right. And um, so all those tragic, tragic things that were going on, atrocities and genocide, um, these children were devastated, you know, watching their their parents get killed. I actually have a um, a young lady whom I mentor and she she's a survivor, you know, and I just think about everything that she had to overcome. But they were able to utilize tapping. Um, what happens during tapping is they were telling their 
the memories of their stories and some of their parents who, you know, their adoptive parents now were saying that this just isn't a happy kid. Like this kid doesn't smile. They don't laugh. They're not able to have a childhood because of all the things that they've gone through. And so after tapping, kids were laughing, playing, running around. So let me tell you a little bit about tapping. So you have several meridian points on your body. And the nine that we're going to identify now is really it's called the karate chop. So right here where it's more like a meaty part of your hand or your side hand. Um, right. kind of you, you on the side with the pinky, right? right. You kind of like you feel it. It feels like a little bit like squishy, like oh, I'm so cute. I got a little squishy part, right? It's right there, and so you kind of like karate chop there. And while you're doing this, you're saying to yourself, whatever emotion you have, like let's say there's a feeling or something that um, that comes up for you um, when you think about some stressful situation or um, or anything. So let's try it on you, Leo. Is there anything that's stressing you out right now? Stressing me out right now. Or something uh, that, anything that comes up like an emotion that is less than desirable. Uh, overwhelm. Okay, so let's say you're overwhelmed. So I'm going to think about some associating words with overwhelm. When you think about overwhelm, um, what else comes up for you? Uh, powerlessness. Um, uh, hopelessness. Uh, uh, anxiety, I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay, those are good. Now keep going. Keep going. You can have more. Keep uh, going. I can have more. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, major, like. <laughs> uh, the, uh, maybe some despair. A little bit of that. And uh, that, yeah, that's about it. Okay, that's enough, right? Yeah, any one person, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's enough. enough. <laughs> okay, so what you will do is you will you'll bring out like you need we need to identify what we're feeling. So many times, like children, people, humans, we're told like don't cry or hold it in or don't. You know, we got to show them you're strong and be as strong as you can be. And I know for me, one of the messages that I always receive is like, oh, you're so strong. I'm like, no, I'm really I'm just like little old human. Like I'm regular. I've overcome a lot and I've had resilient. I've had episodes of resilience, but no, really, I just want to be able to cry right now. And so um, when we think about overwhelm and all those things that are occurring, um, the powerlessness, the despair, what you'll do is you'll bring up whatever is forefront and think about a number on a scale of one to ten um, that describes those feelings for you. Um, a five. That's what. A that's five. What, yeah. Okay. So you just hold it there. You just recognize that it's a five, and then you'll be able to go from there. Um. Wait, we gonna have to pause for a second. My children have returned. It's raining outside of Indiana, and I am not that mom to let their kids like just run around. Okay. But it started to rain, and then I got like a notification. It's like it's gonna flood. I'm like, well, there go my kids. They're gonna be washing <laughs> down the street somewhere. And so you, you'll see people in the background. You guys can say hi, but I'm hi. on a call, so I know I didn't have my phone up. Sorry. You guys gonna be okay? Okay. I'll be with you in probably like an hour. All right. You gonna be okay until then? No. All right. You got raindrops on you. Welcome home. Shut my door, sweetie pie. Thanks, babe. Okay. Bye. All right. I'm sorry for the answer. I usually have a sign up on my door, but they were gone. And I'm like, mm, don't know where my kids are. I'm that parent right now. But okay. So as we're thinking about, um, when that comes up for you, like we're going to start with overwhelmed because that's what that's the original word you had. You can say, you know, I'm totally overwhelmed right now. But as your as your top, I was I went to I wanted to go to the top of my head, but then I pull it back. Um, you can say, you know, I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling like life is just like really really getting me right now. Right. I'm totally overwhelmed. And you'll just talk about those things that come up. So again, you're just I go back and forth um, on them. And sometimes if I'm driving, because I do this while I'm driving a lot because. 
um, our subconscious kicks in while we're driving. I can't remember the last place I actually drove, but I arrive at many places. It's because my subconscious has taken over. Um, and so like I do it on my steering wheel, like I'll just be driving. I just cry and chop that part of my steering wheel. But you can, I'm overwhelmed. Like there's just so much going on. I have deadlines. I have curly hair girl. I got to have a podcast with. There's so much. It's like life is just overwhelming. And so what you want to say is that you want to bring that up. But then also you want to say, um, but I completely love and accept myself. So that's the ending phrase. I completely love and accept myself. And so you move through not nine different meridians. And so the next one, this is one. If this is number one, you're a karate chop here. Number two is the top of your head. And the way that you find it is if you were to take your thumbs like on your on your ears and put them in your ears and then take like you find the middle of your head there. So that's the next meridian spot. It's right in the top there. So you would tap there and you would you would do the same thing again. So those other words that I had you identify um, are, you know, I feel sometimes I have anxiety you know, anxiety around um, traveling. I'm just, you know, whatever it is that you have going on. Anxiety around traveling, but I completely love and accept myself. Um, I completely love and accept myself. And the next spot is inside your eyebrow. So oh. right here, inside your eyebrows, you'll tap there. And you can just do one side. You know, it's, it's it can be bilateral as well, but inside your eyebrows. And um, I'm feeling hopeless. Um, there's so many things that I have that are going on that just make me feel like I'm hopeless, but you know, I completely love and accept myself. And then you follow that same bone, um, down and right here on the side of your I, eyebrow, I like your eyebrows. I'm doing this for the, uh, auditory listeners. No, right. Uh, okay. No, thank you. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so the down, yeah. At the end of your eyebrows, closer to like your temples, like, right. Okay. Right. You just, so if you start at the beginning of your eyebrow inside your, um, like where your third eye would be and then right. follow it down. Right. So wherever your eyebrow ends, probably on like right ear, exactly right. Your temples, your tap there too. Um, you know, I'm feeling hopeless and a little bit powerless, but I completely love and accept myself. And then you follow that same um, bone um, under your eye. So right under your eye on that bone there, you still feel it. You know, right. I'm feeling um, still feeling overwhelmed and I completely love and accept myself. Now we're going to move our tapping down to the place where the creator gave us this little tapping spot right under our nose where it's like a little indent. I don't know what that's called. Oh, uh, yeah. Right there, right. There's a tapping spot as well. Like you would have like um, the Hitler mustache right there. Right. Your, the Hitler stash spot. Would yeah. call it that, right? <laughs> so everybody, you know, represented your Hitler stash and tap there and talk about, you know, whatever emotion is coming up for you. We're using overwhelm as an example, but it can be anything. It can be like for me recently, it was abandonment. It was um, unfairness. It was it was a lot of things going on. And so I was tapping against that. But you know what? I completely love and accept myself. And then from there, we moved to that other Hitler stash spot where the other little piece of whatever uh -huh. will be under your lips. The, the Fu Manchu, right, right. The, the, <laughs> the, the chin dimple, like if you had a chin dimple, the butt, they call it butt chin or whatever, you would be tapping right in there. Right, where your butt chin would be. So right under your lip, but there's that little ending. So then you'll tap right there. And it's it's still, you know, you're bringing up those words, you're bringing up those emotions, you're bringing up your feelings. Um, you completely love and accept yourself as when you're doing that as well. Now, um, so your collarbone is another spot. So sometimes people just karate chop there, like on their collarbones, oh, like yeah. in there. Um, that's another meridian place. And so you completely love and you accept yourself, right? It's like you're feeling this overwhelmed. You have all these things going on, but okay. I completely love and accept myself. The next spot is under your, um, I was about to say under pit. My kids call it under pit. Um, under your um, armpit, <laughs> which is what it's actually called. Um, for ladies, it's probably where like your bra is hitting, like right there, just like a little fleshy part there is where a little bit squishy um gentlemen same area so if you might may or may not have on a bra but that's your personal business so just go ahead and tap um 
there, but same thing. You're bringing that up again. I completely love and set myself. Um, I'm overwhelmed. I feel a little bit like, you know, this is despairing. It's just this. There's a lot going on. It's too much. It's really heavy to hold. And I would rather not hold it anymore. But I completely love and accept myself. Yeah, for and me, so you, it's a little fat right there. It's, it's more fat. <laughs> I'm like, I need to work out. I need to. Now nah, you got it. Like, why <laughs> is it jiggling right so much when I tap? <laughs> that means you're in a good spot if it's like flex, that. That is the fat part. I don't like that at all. <laughs> well, you found out some meals while you're doing your tapping yeah. session, but. So what will happen with those nine spots is you just you continue to go through until you we identified as a five. And so as you go through, you should be able to take those numbers down and you should not feel the same. I call it a sting. Right. I call it a, like a, a trauma sting. You shouldn't be able to feel as much. You should be able to diminish those feelings as you go through as many rounds as you need to go through to be able to do it. And so no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say um, tapping really sustained me until I was able to get to my therapist. And in fact, today I was like, well, you know, actually, I'm good. And I was going I'm going through a really big life change right now. And so um, it's actually a divorce. And so I uh, it's, it's, it's like a crazy long story, but it, it leads to everything, like all my mental health issues and everything that I have. And so um, being able to utilize that, I was able to do some maintenance with my therapist um, through it. And so. Tapping really, I can say tapping saved my life, like especially during this season, um, because it was really, 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 really bad. And in fact, it was so bad that I was hospitalized um, because of I have so many things to talk about. We still got to come back to the A study, which is really, really important. Um, I had a kidney stone like I was training. I was on a three day training and I got really sick during the training, and I didn't know what was going on. I'm like trying to make sure my participants had lunch and they're taken care of. And um, I just. I got sick. I started to feel really hot and I had a fever. There happened to be a nurse in my training and she's like, I think you're having like appendicitis right now. And I was like, that can't happen because I got to go up next. Right. It was like <laughs> I was like I was and actually the portion that I was going to end on because it was at the end of our three day training. It was self-care. I always end in self-care. And so I was going to talk about self-care. I was like, oh, I got to try this right now. Yeah, you can't be she was like, <laughs> talking about self-care. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I would know. She's like, I'm going to take you to the hospital. So she took me to the hospital. And I was in so much pain. I had never been in this much pain in my life. It was crazy pain. So they were giving me morphine. They were giving me, yeah, morphine. Was, you know, I was good a little bit on the morphine. And then um, after a CAT scan, they came back and told me I had kidney stones. So I called one of my girlfriends. I was like, oh. I'm like going to die. My life is falling apart right now. And all these things are happening. And I'm in the hospital. I don't have anybody. And I was alone. Except for the nurse who I just met. Right. It's just like it was it was just a bad time in life. I was like, I'm despair, overwhelmed. Like all those words are coming up. And so she was like, I'm going to look this up for you through Louis Hay. Um, I'm sorry, Louise Hay. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Louise Hay. If you've heard of her. Okay. So Louise Hay, um, she's for your listeners. She talks about that our bodies are always manifesting um, things that are really going on. And so for that, the kidney stone was anger. And my anger was really directed. It was internal. And so for this kidney stone to come up like that, it was crazy. And actually, I had one day of like just a tapping fest. Like I was just really focused on I completely love and accept myself. And then I was releasing this person and I was releasing this person. And I passed my kidney stone with no pain at all whatsoever. I passed it and I had never had a kidney stone. Like, first of all, I'm too young to have a kidney stone. I'm too cool to be talking about a kidney stone, first of all. But who does that? 
So, but I passed with no pain. It was like, it was just that entire day I was just releasing. And those are my exact words. It was, you know, I feel all these terrible, horrible things. I'm embarrassed. I had to leave my training. All these things are going on, but I completely love them except myself. And I released that person and I released that person. And understanding that that anger was really like just years and years of torture and pain and settling and not being happy and anger that ball of anger, I released it with no pain whatsoever. And that's unheard of. That is unheard of. Everyone, if you've ever, I need everybody just Google kidney stones and hear (laughs) people's horror stories about them. But I felt that when I was in the hospital because it was just like, it was in between my stomach and my back. And it felt like there was a child trying to like punch his way out. But like with like a ninja, like ninja style. It was like, it was really painful. And I really can't just describe that pain, but I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And I passed my kidney stone it was about it was almost five millimeters with no pain whatsoever through tapping. And um, what was I forget what I was going to ask you about the kidneys. How do you get kidney stones? Like, do they explain like what causes those? So my kidney stone actually had to be taken off. You know, you take it and you put it in a little bag. It's really weird. It's like, hey, this came out of my body. My kidneys actually my u- ureter through my urethra. And so I just took it to my doctor and then they, they explain like, well, they'll be able to um dissect it or whatever and figure out what it's made of but kidney stones um it's really just deposits of different things so for me i think it's because i i eat a very high oscillate diet um because i eat a lot of spinach and and a lot of green green leafy vegetables and so it could have been for that but actually my kidney stone um started before i was even vegan i've already had a pretty good diet um even when there was meat involved um and so it's just for me, it was amazing that it was suggested that anger was one of those things that helps it manifest and that it came to then because it had been several years that that was identified because I go to a chiropractor a lot and it was actually identified in a um, right for my spine several years ago. So for it to come to fruition in this way was really um, it was really spiritual for me to be able to release in that manner and um, yeah, release in that manner. It really was. It was amazing. You said high oscillate diet. Now, wouldn't I mean, we're always told that eating greens is great for you. So eating too many greens can cause a kidney stone. What? Well, in my in my case. So before I was vegan, that is what they told me. Like cause I, I drink a lot of like I actually make my own almond milk. Um, mm-hmm. I got like vegan after a while. Like I don't want anything in a bottle. And so almonds, um, leafy greens. It, I mean, there's a potential that it can it really depends on your body chemistry and how you're storing. Um, drinking more water could probably help that. But I drink a lot of water. So, right. It's just like a body chemistry thing. I don't understand where it came from. But when I go back to our friend like Louise, hey, it all makes sense. I've had a lot of anger just throughout life. And so that makes more sense to me than the high leafy green diet um, causing that. And then the way it manifested and the way it was you know, trying to be delivered. And like for me, it was like a birth thing and releasing seriously. And so, um, so uh, that all makes sense to me, but you can, it is like a high isolate diet is what, is what. That, that makes sense too, because it's just like, you know, at the end of a yoga class, when people start crying, you know, because mm-hmm. you're just letting go, they're releasing and you're not trying to cry. It's just, it's just there, you know, all right. the emotions and, uh, and so, sometimes even a fart, like there've been times where mm-hmm. I, I didn't even feel the fart. It just, you're just so relaxed. And so open is just, you know, and you, you know, you apologize, but, um, but that makes sense that, that, that idea of letting go, I think, um, people don't realize how powerful that is. And, 
um, and how much we are walking around with. In meditation um, portions, I would say if everyone was as relaxed as we could possibly be, this room would be on stink, right? Because we would be letting go like that much. Like you should be farting. Yeah. (laughs) You you should be farting. We should all just be letting go. There should be farts galore. You know, I'm a mom of boys. I have twin boys. Those people just in here. So farts and butts are like all the conversation. It's totally normal for me. (laughs) But we should definitely, and that's the way that I explained it. We should be so relaxed that our, um, what is that part? The perineum? (laughs) If I said it right. Uh, The part between like your anus and the little. like uh, that, that that muscle is it cranium like am i making that up is that like a body part but no, <laughs> at any rate that's um oh, that's that a, may be that body part i don't, I don't know okay yeah. i wasn't doing like a, a, a biology like interview uh-huh. today so i didn't check up on that but it, nonetheless it should um you should be so relaxed that you would you would release gas <laughs> but oh, no yeah. I, um, yeah perennial perennial yep Okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't make that up, y'all. It really is something. <laughs> and in the right spot, too. We should be that relaxed that we're able to do those things. Um, yeah. So, the um, advanced childhood experience, or known as ACE. Well, well you, can make up, you can make up stuff, too. I do that, too. Advanced. <laughs> I was like, no, I can go ahead and go with that title. But if you want to talk about the adverse childhood experiences, I might, you know, slide that in there, too. It's so the ACE study is um, really one of my foundational talks that I, that I I can't go further in behavior and trauma um, until we talk about the ACE study. So the ACE and the brain, the brain development and how trauma affects the brain are just two of those things that I absolutely love to talk about. Um, the adverse childhood experience study actually was the it was over 20 years, it was longitudinal, um, that Dr. Folletti out of Kaiser Permanente, he was the chief, um, I want to say doctor of like preventative medicine. He had come up with a modality to help people lose weight. And um, while he was helping people lose weight, it was not invasive. And so this was this would have been around the time where um, bariatric surgery was really popular and all those things were happening and going on. And so not that it's not popular now, but non-invasively, he was able to help people lose weight. So in 51 weeks, he was able to help a participant go from over 400 pounds to under 200 pounds um, in 51 weeks. And that's how like amazing that this this was. But what he noticed was that many of the people who were participating in the study, they were also dropping out of the study. And so we're trying to figure out. All right. And they were, they were out there like in San Diego. You know, everybody has to be fit and fab in California. And so. If you're losing weight and you're being successful and you're being productive in this study, he was trying to figure out why are these people dropping out? Like, where are they going? What's going on? Why are, why are you? You don't want to lose weight? Like, how's that not a good thing? So he starts to interview the, the participants and he was asking, you know, a battery of questions that, that had to do with weight. At what weight, did, uh, what, what weight did you notice this or behavior or life changes? And he misspoke and asked one participant at what weight was she when she became sexually active? And so that's a pretty invasive question, right? It's like, how much did you weigh? Dr. Way, like, why are you asking me all those like personal questions? Like, how much did you weigh when you started having sex? And um, in her response, she said that she was 60 pounds. And mm. so what do we know about 60 pound people? Right. Children. They're children. Right. And so Dr. Filetti thought that this was only his second case of incest that he came across in like his like 20 or 30 years of medical practice. 
Um, but for someone like me who who is in depth in trauma and every day is trauma, a trauma training or someone calling me that is recovering from trauma, I knew that it was the first time the lady asked the right question. Mm. And, and so considering that, he um, he went on to interview other participants and he said that he felt as though he was the he was the contributor to these responses after a while because so many people were revealing that they had some type of sexual childhood trauma. But he was wrong. It wasn't like that many people. It wasn't every other person, as he suggested. It was actually two thirds of the participants that wow. had some type of trauma in their in their childhood. And so what essentially what what happened was that Dr. Filetti realized that medical profession has it wrong and the right questions are not being asked. So it's not a headache, right? It's not a stomach ache. It's not, um, it's not those things that you come in medically. It's the fact that you have this trauma is really, it's trying to escape your body because what Dr. Bessel Vanderkoff says, the body keeps the score. And so considering all of those things, they, there were, there were 252 participants in this study. And so it was said that after he did this work, that wasn't enough to apply to the general population. And so through Kaiser Permanente, they then joined forces with the Center for Disease Control. And they um, they came up with this ACE study, the Average Childhood Experience Study. And so there are 10 factors for the ACE study. And actually, I might have a diagram that I can hold up because I use one with my families. There are 10 factors in three different categories. And so the three different categories are abuse neglect, and then household dysfunction. And in those categories, they would ask questions like, let me keep, I know I can keep talking, but I think that I actually have, I know I, know I have a diagram. Um, um, were you ever humiliated or were you ever, did you ever feel like you weren't important? Did you ever feel like there was no one there to support you? Did you if you needed to go to the doctor, was there someone available to take you to the doctor? Did you ever see your mom um, abused or hit or slapped? Um, did you have anyone in the household that was a substance abuse user, including alcohol? Did you have anyone in your home that was um, that had a mental health issue? Did you have anyone um, go to jail in your family? Um, let me think about some of the other questions. Were you ever molested? Were you ever forced to have sex? Were you ever um, were you ever hit so hard that it left a bruise on you? And so, considering those, all those, there, there are ten questions for those three different categories. Um, and those were actually empirically the, the three different categories and the 10 most frequent responses from the 252 participants of the obesity study. And so now we have this great, great information bank of all this information, um, things that happened to people prior to being 18 years old. And that is the average childhood experience study. And that's how you find out what your A score is. So my A score is seven. And you can um, actually on Instagram, I know we're, we're, we follow each other on Instagram. If you go there, if you scroll down to my page and you see like it's a seven on one of my photos, um, the questions are there. So for every question that you would answer yes to, you get a point, you get one point. And so, again, mine is seven. But that doesn't mean that my trauma is any worse from someone that has zero. Because, again, these are only 10 factors in three different categories. Right. And there are a lot more. And something that we can identify, for example, um, death of a parent is not identified, like a house fire, moving, being a transient family. Um, so many other things that happen. Death of a sibling. There's, there are a lot of life opportunities that come up that aren't represented in the study. But this study was really the springboard for a lot of other studies. So um, bullying, um, how the how the environment or your neighborhood really impacts how you come up and how you grow. 
um, a lot of those things are are now being identified really from this study. Because what it, what the, what I love about it, and actually I'll be studying with Dr. Anda. He was on the um, CDC side. He's coming to Indiana, and um, I'll be studying with him in the next in July. He was supposed to be here next week, but that got canceled. And so um, I'll be studying with him and being able to talk to him about some of those things. The background that I like really about the ACE study is the fact that the woman who I talked about who had all this weight and then she lost she lost his weight, but then she dropped out. Had he not misspoken, had he not tried to figure out what was going on, going on with her, we would never know about this. Because what happened was that she had a sexual advance, um, a sexual advance or, you know, she was propositioned by an older man at work. And that spiraled her because it reminded her of an incestuous relationship that she had with her grandfather. Mm-hmm. And so considering those things, we never know what can trigger anybody like triggers. Like I, I, I want to think that I'm aware of my triggers. And so I get triggered. I'm like, oh, crap, I got to go back and try again. Right. We always have opportunities to do better, especially in our mental health recovery. Um, but for that, for her to be triggered from that, the weight had nothing to do with anything that was going on. The weight was simply a defense mechanism. The weight was a shield to put it on and say, OK, I'm protected now. I'll be unattractive. Um, not understanding that that inappropriate relationship with food was contributing to those things. Mm-hmm. But the inappropriate relationship with food was something that became a safety mechanism for them. And so I absolutely love that. It's fascinating to me to just think about how you have such insight from this study, because if you and um, hopefully the listeners don't like dig too deep. They just look for like the mental health help this but i believe that you are seven thousand times more likely to smoke cigarettes if you have an a score of like three or more or something like that but when you look at the numbers um one in one in four people had been um abused Mm. um and one in four people had experienced some type of violence against their mother Mm. and so like it's like two and Two in seven people had someone go to jail in their family. So they all, all these things are really prevalent. Like it's really common, but we try to act like trauma is a bad thing. We try to act like mental health I- issues are a bad thing, which is why I'm like, I have like three different types of therapists because I care about myself because I've had a history of childhood trauma because I'm a mother, because I don't want my children to grow up in pain the way that I did. I want them to be able to be free in their own body. Like the other day I was talking to my little boy about depression and really explaining to him, like when I get depressed, like what that is and what I feel like that because he has anxiety. And so I want him to know that so that when if he's feeling like that, he'll be able to tap into some to some modalities and some treatments that will help him. I feel as that's his mom. You know, as long as I'm around, he'll have access to those things. But I need him to know, you know, right now what's going on. Um, we also use a lot of psychoeducation in my house. Um, we have weighted blankets. We have um, like we chill out. Like I have a tea station over here, like in my room. We like they use incense. They um, they each have their own meditation pillows. Um, again, weighted blankets is probably the biggest thing for me. In fact, I just saw one. I got one from Target. It was like sixty nine dollars, and I was so happy. I was like, yeah. weighted <laughs> blanket on and stuff. Just your weighted blanket way. It's twelve pounds, and I sleep like a baby. Like the other night, I was trying to talk to my daughter, and I was like, "Hey, babe, what's up?" And I'm getting, I'm unruffling my my covers, and I'm pulling back my other because I'm always coast. I have like thousand blankets, and I'm pulling them back, and my weighted blanket is the last one to go on top. And I was talking to her, and I fell asleep on her. It was like that. Like I did my little like like nighttime, like what I say my mantras, and then I was just like I wasn't even trying to. It was just like it hit kicking and happened. I was trying to talk to her. And I fell asleep on her. I sleep so well under my weighted blanket. It's amazing. I just read this book uh, about um, empaths. 
and like how to take care of yourself when you are uh, extremely like just sensitive to the world around you. Mm -hmm. And it said for binge eating to put a meditation pillow in front of of your refrigerator to remind yourself to just sit and be still versus going in a fridge for eating. Yeah. 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 So when you said meditation pillow, it just reminded me of that. And, uh, I was like, I want to do that, but I, I could just see myself kicking that pillow over. Like, unless it's like (laughs) nailed down, (laughs) but I'm I'm, I'm actually sitting on mine right now. Cause I need to like have a little bit. I need to have a little bit more height so that I can get like my light set up. Cause well, it was sunny earlier, but again, Indiana, it always fakes you out. So I was like, I needed some light in my room, but I'm sitting on my meditation pillow so that I can, you know, you can see me. <laughs> well, I, I love it. Yeah, no, your lighting's great. Your lighting's great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, what What are you reading right now? Are okay, so oh, am I? Um, I'm actually. I was reading um, Far from the Tree. Uh, let me see. It's um, Andrew. My book is probably in my car. I had to look it up. Wait a second. Um, okay, so I'm reading that. Let me tell you what else I'm reading. Um, actually, I'm rereading The Body Keeps the Score. It's like a Bible for me. It's um, I'm rereading that because I wanted to take some other things out of yoga. Um, I've had a yoga practice for several years, and um, I really wanted to hit on some of those interventions. Now I have more and more schools calling on me for services. Mm-hmm. And so they're really they're really big on the interventions. But really what they want me to do is come in and make these kids act right. That's what they mm-hmm. want. And right. so <laughs> and so I am always of the practice that we have to look at ourselves first. And so the body or something I always read. And when I was actively teaching, um, I didn't teach this last semester. So this last spring, um, which is which is really different for me. So I didn't have to be in depth in the book. But I, I'll always reread that book. Um and I'm also reading, um, what is it? Is it called A Course in Kindness or something else? I don't know. I can't, I, I can like see everything over. That'd be weird. Like, I can't recall any the books right now. Oh, um, I can't even think. A Course in Miracles. Oh my goodness. I'm reading A Course in Miracles. Um, are you familiar with that text? I'm not. Okay. So my, um, my foundation is Christianity. And when I, um, when I started actually having EMDR, it made me look at life in a different way. Um, there were things that I had been praying about, fasting about, not about going to the altar about, tithing about this, you know, from that, I don't know if it's your background is, but Christianity, all the things that I told, told me that I was supposed to do to make these things happen. And I had like one session at EMDR and it was like, now that's done. And so after that experience, it was, I started to look at different, um, different paths. And I am trained actually in cognitive based um, compassion. And so what that means is that um, there have been studies done out of Emory University. It's, it's proven that people that have meditation practice are actually more compassionate. And um, that compassion is really big for me because I work in a world of trauma, um, always on the healing path from my own trauma, always in recovery. Um, I want to make sure that I can move with compassion. And so um, one of my participants of um, I was doing a, a something on self-care and she asked me if I was familiar with Abraham Hicks. And I was like, no, I'm not familiar with Abraham Hicks. I had never heard of him. And um, I started listening to their teaching. It was more along the lines of things that I always said like to myself or what I encourage others to do, because um, I'm always like really conscious about vibrations. And so I was that weird Christian. Like I was on the the um, 
I sing and I used to have a band and I do poetry, all those wonderful things. And I um I was always really weird though, like for everybody else. Just like there was something like out there about me. Like I was always searching because I grew up in a like I went to Catholic school, but I grew up in a Baptist church. My grandfather, who was the love of my life, was um, Lutheran. And then I had a best friend and she was Methodist. And I could never understand how we were all like fighting for the same thing, but in so many different ways. And so my spiritual path had always been really diverse. And I used to say, like, you know, instead of club hopping, I was always church hopping. I went to different <laughs> types of churches. <laughs> I went to like Mormon churches. I would go to temple. I, that's where how I got introduced to like Buddhism and just meditating. But there was also a point in my life where I would have been like, no, I'll never go to a different church. Like, I know people that say I'll never read anything but the King James Bible. And I'm like, oh, that's weird because I need the NIV. Right. But um, but, you know, some people are like, like, like just. Again, if that's your background, what it is, not for you, whatever. And so, um, so of course, the miracles was something that had came up in my experience a lot. People would say, hey, have you read this? Have you read this? Have you read this? And I am reading that book, but I'm not very far in it because it's like this thick. And I kid you not, it's like a Bible. It takes forever to get through. But one of the, there's lessons and then there's also like some teaching. And so I was just really just reading the lessons, like what you're supposed to focus on. And so I've gotten pretty far in the lessons, but I haven't read the teaching. Um, and so the reason I can say I'm, I'm, I'm with that book and I'm reading that book is because I think this book is going to be with me for the rest of my life. And um, the first lesson was really looking at how we identify, how we label things. And I am like so anti-labeling. I'm working on a book right now. It's actually called How, how May I Label You? It's like instead of How May I Help You? Because we work in a like I'm in the service oh, field. Wow, I like that. But it's yeah. So it's How May I Label You? And it I'll be finishing a. I'm going to go sit on a beach somewhere and finish um, dictating it. But, um, <laughs> right, I just need to finish it and just get done with it. But, um, oh, I lost my train of thought again. I keep doing that. It's only because I had EMDR today. Like my, my brain literally got zapped today. I need to go drink some water and, and lay down. Now, but, we're talking about how may I label you and... Um, what were you saying right before that? Of of Miracles. You're, you're okay. talking about club hopping, church hopping. And then I was saying that the book is going to be, oh, OK, how we identify labeling, how we identify things. And so it's just like saying um, when we when we interact with people, um, especially like in relationship type of things. And that could be any interaction where there's like a mother, daughter, mother, son, um, significant other, your partner. When you interact with them, we all have these expectations like they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And so one of the first lessons was this chair is just a chair, right? But this could be my favorite chair. And so because it's my favorite chair, everyone in my house may know that they can't sit in my chair because it's my chair. But this is just a freaking chair, right? And so it's like how we look at things and how we label things. And so just being able to reflect on that, that was so powerful for me. And so that's one of the books that like I said I will probably be with me for the rest of my life because you're you're supposed to just do one thing at a time. Of course, I like I'm a real breaker. I, I always call my organization a rebel organization because I started the organization that I wanted to work for. We didn't really talk about my background background, but I started the organization that I wanted to work for, and so I do that in every every aspect of my life. And so I just really just been going over that and like how I look at things. Like if I see a certain phone number come up on my phone, I really don't want to talk to that person. I'm like, this is just a human. Right. They're just going through their human experience, whatever I have labeled them and whatever emotion I am tagging on them. That's me. Like that is totally my stuff and not there. So and that changes the frame in which I move forward in their con in conversation with them. You know, it, it's true because uh, there's so much with uh, labeling, right, especially right now, like uh, narcissism, narcissism is trending. 
And so every magazine article and news outlet, like he's a narcissist. And uh, but even, you know, depression, anxiety, narcissism, those are uh, trending words. And yes, uh, uh, a lot of people are depressed, but I think it's uh, prevented people from exploring the, the more nuances of their emotions. Right. Like, are you depressed or are you uh, feeling insecure or feeling submissive or inadequate or mm-hmm. overwhelmed? Like, you know, people stop at it's like, you know, I'm, I'm angry. And it's like, all right, are you angry or are you hurt or are you frustrated? Like there's so many other words to describe our emotions that uh, we if we stop at these general labels, um, then we can't really get to the source of uh of what's going on and uh so uh it could it's one thing like where labels are a problem but then not getting going past the label and exploring all the different labels uh underneath uh if that makes sense the all right you said you had no it's a therapist right yes and so so go ahead so we said one is a emdr therapist Yes, I have one for EMDR, and then I have a traditional talk therapist, and um, she is the one who, like, pulls me through. Like, if I'm calling and I'm, like, snotty, yeah. <laughs> and I have, like, this immediate thing, like, oh, my God, I'm going to die right now. Like, I'm, it's done. I can't do it no more. Um, she's the one I call for that. And then I have a, um, well, actually, she's a Reiki master, okay. and I'm a reflexologist, but she's a therapist as well, and so she kind of adds that into her practice. And so for your listeners who aren't familiar with Reiki, it's an, an art of Japanese energy, like you move energy around. Um, I totally believe in energy. If you have a heartbeat, then you believe in energy as well. And if you're thinking right now, then you believe in energy as well, because a lot of neurons are going off and they're creating their own electrical current. And so I just I believe in that and reflexology. Um, like I said, she's a therapist, too. So she she integrates that into her practice. I take and care then, of myself. I try and to. Then who's the wait? What's the third one? So the first one is EMDR. The second one is talk. It's, it's traditional, traditional. Oh, oh no, traditional talk therapist. That's the second one. Oh, the third okay. one is my reflexologist and my Reiki master. Okay. Is your talk therapist like a? Uh, is she like more cognitive behavioral? Or like like what's her modality? Yeah, she's a cognitive behavioral therapist. Okay. Um, she just like she just. I don't know. She's so amazing. Like, I go into her, and I'm just like, because I don't even believe in talk therapy. Well, I shouldn't say that. Me say that. Okay. I believe, like, from, I read research, and so, about the brain and all these wonderful things. I believe that methods like EMDR are great. I believe that meditation is really wonderful when you can, you know, do those things. It's not that I don't believe in medication. I just believe that there are other things that should be tried before that. A lot of us have a chemical imbalance, and so, um, sometimes medication is what you need. And so, I mean, I've been on medication before. I'm not right now. I have so many vitamins and so many herbs that I take that it's just like, crazy like i have a whole drawer full of things yeah. that i and supplements that i have to take but um as far as talk therapy everything that like even bessel van der Kolk, like i say him like, like i know him like he said it <laughs> right but um he says that there's just other modalities that will work but my therapist is like i use her like as my coach as well it's like you know for my business if i have things going on there because it really is just um being able to think about those thinking errors and really um looking at my my narrative a lot because of my history of childhood trauma um, I grew up with a mom. I grew up in a home of a hoarder. And so um, all of those psychological things that come along with that. Me, like you said, inadequate. That's one of my trigger words. Right. Because I always feel like I'm inadequate. I always feel like I'm not good enough. Um, 
that's something that I, I always struggle with. Even in doing things, I'm able to do like some amazing things. Like right now, I'm like, do you know that I'm on Skype with Leo Flowers? Right? <laughs> you know that, right? But it's like everything that's presented in my experience, I'm always like, this is crazy. Like, does he know that? I'm like, I'm just a little girl from Gary, right? You know what I mean? It's just like, so those, those things always present themselves. But um, she's able to help me say and really look at things like, is this seven-year-old Sky? Is this 12-year-old Sky? Or is this 37-year-old Sky? Who's whose lens are we looking through right now? And so I appreciate her so much. I've been with her for um, almost seven years and um, I love her. <laughs> How are you now? Most people can't afford one therapist. How do you, <laughs> is your insurance covering all three of these? Are they, is it so like a for three? I, that is my self care, right? I, so I didn't go to yoga. I didn't even join a yoga studio for several years because I like literally have a therapist fund. Like for myself. So if there's something that I wanted to do, then I I mean, I do. I have great insurance until I don't anymore, um, which would be pretty soon. And so I'll be trying to figure that out. But for my company, I figure like we have to have an excellent EAP, which is an employee assistance program. Mm -hmm. And then because I'm looking into that right now, since, you know, this life transition is happening. But I I get my therapy on. So, I mean, like it's like like that, like even you, like the, the conflict today came because, you know, we need to move the appointment. I was like, oh, I can't miss my EMDR. Yeah. I want to talk to Leo Flowers and everything. But, you know, <laughs> it was like, we got to make sure we have that. And so with Reiki and reflexology, that's actually um, out of pocket. And it's um, I go I used to go every well, depending on what's going on. I haven't gone recently because I've been ha- I've been tapping so much. But if I'm just feeling like really overwhelmed, which I, I want to say, I don't even really have the option to be that overwhelmed right now because I am the only parent that my children have right now. Um, oh, um, their dad is deployed. I um, forgot to mention that. And so um, I don't have like the option not to to get my get my vibrations in order and you know, be on I the go. Get it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 uh, it reminds me of the scene from uh, Wall Street uh, with Matt McConaughey when he's sitting at the table and he's like beating his chest like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's trying to get that, that energy, those juices. All right, you got to get it up, right? Athletes before, yeah, before we go out to play, you know, you're hitting your chest, trying to get that blood flowing. And, uh, and it basically it's kind of a way to get out of your head and into your body, right? Um, and I mean, in, in, a, in severe cases, you know, it's like when you watch those old black and white movies and, uh, somebody's hysterical and then somebody slaps them and it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, like snap out of it, you know? Right. So, yeah. uh, it, it, I don't, uh, we don't advocate slapping someone, but uh, <laughs> you can tap someone though. Definitely tap them, uh, <laughs> back into it. Uh, if it's not too, uh, personal, uh, what's, uh, what were the factors contributing to their transition? Well, no, it's not too personal. In fact, I like kind of love sharing this because I feel like I'm in such a liberating space right now. Um, there were several factors. I think that as a person who has mental health issues, who came from a family of severe and deep mental health issues, um, I think that being with, um, a partner that understands you for who you are is really important. And so understanding, like, I like to, I like to be by myself. Like, right. I do. I need to have my space. Like, I have a lot of kids. Like, I can give them their things too, but I do like to be by myself and have my space. And so I just think that there was a lot of incompatibility in the fact that I, I, I don't operate like as everybody else. I'm, a, I already told you I'm a little bit weird. Um, I'm a creative. And um, I'm an entrepreneur and I think differently. 
And so just incompatibility overall um, was um, was if I had to like pick out something, it was definitely incompatibility. But then in that, I also think that I had a great understanding of myself and I understood Wait. what I needed. Right, right. And I I was not afraid to say that. So for someone who doesn't understand that, it's it's difficult to say, well, you know, my partner wants this. This has everything to do with me. And I was like, this actually has nothing to do with you. Right, <laughs> it has right. everything to do with I need to I need to do this so that I can be OK over here. Right. And so there were like there was a lot of like weird things that happened. But it was just a long line of incompatibility that we were trying to stretch out kids and this is the second time I've done this because actually I have um I have children he's not well my my twins are are biologically his he's raised my daughter and my older two are from the relationship that I was in I was in high school Mm. and so um I just think actually the book that I just finished is called One Long Relationship Mm. um and I didn't know that I was going to be getting divorced and so now I can add so much more into it and I don't want to say I'm happy for my divorce I'm not like I think that he's a wonderful person um, he's amazing. He just going to be a great husband for somebody else. And so now you know, that he's it's, released, it's interesting because I, uh, am realizing that there are people who, uh, would make a great mother, but not a great wife. Mm, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like there's some people in, and cause I, I have friends who, you know, they got married, they had kids and um, and they didn't get along well. But now that they're divorced, they're like, it's perfect. Like and they're taking care of the kids and like there's no there's no tension. It, it flows perfectly like they're better apart um, and taking care of the kids than together trying to take care of that. Um, but I get it in that empath book. They were just talking about how. Uh, you know, you may need to sleep in a separate bedroom instead of, yeah. you know, sharing a bedroom, which is, you know, c- common, but it doesn't have to be that way. And it doesn't mean that because you're sleeping in separate beds that something's wrong is just a way of, like you said, taking care of yourself. Yeah. And I would do that often and I would get attacked for it. And mm-hmm. so, again, it was just like I just couldn't be I couldn't be the side that I needed to so that he can be the him that he needed to be. And I was trying to I was trying to bridge that gap all the time. But it was I was always met with opposition because it was looked at like I was trying to be separate. And I wasn't I was just trying to be a whole me yeah. um, because I, I need to be a whole me so that I can be so there can be a us. And um, and so it just you know, it just it didn't work. And yeah. I'm OK to say that like I is liberating and it's free. And there's a, a sense of relief in that because I'm like, now I can like be me you know I can truly be me and I can heal in the way that I need to be and I don't have to worry about you know that and then so like whenever a partner like all my friends of course they want to hook me up with people now and I'm like swiping I'm like what is this what is this how does this even work people don't like just meet each other anymore what happened like I don't even know how to date it's so weird I don't know how to to date but I figured you know whatever but that next person I promise only one thing like I will love myself enough that when I come into your experience, you don't have to worry about like me. Like I won't depend on them to for my happiness, for my my anything because like I'll depend on them for things, but I'll be in such a good place that we won't drain each other. And then we have a codependent relationship, and that's the thing too, right? It's just so it. I think that being healthy for yourself 
is paramount in relationships. And like, even when it comes to like marriage and how we look at marriage, like you said, it's sleeping in another room. I thought there was nothing wrong with that. Okay. Like, hey, you need my space. And mm-hmm. I'm, I say I'm an extrovert, but I'm not like, I can talk to people and I meet people and they're like, Oh, you're still outgoing. I'm like, really? I just want to go away now. I'm yeah. like, I've had enough. It's so, you know, people see you on stage or you're like, I'm, I'm performing like, right. Like, you know, you're performing. Yeah. It's like, they think like, Oh, you can just come up and talk to me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just everything that I have and I don't have anything else. I'm sorry. I gotta go. Right. And so I don't want to be rude, but it's like, I really just needed, like, I just needed to retreat a lot, a lot. And it was just, it was only retreating so that I can just, um, you know, help myself be there. I can be, I have extroverted, um, personality. Like I do have that, but no, really, I just like, I'm drained when it's too many people. I heard you say before, like you, you give yourself a two hour, Two hour time limit. That's it. I'm, and I'm, <laughs> I have I have zero uh, shame about it. Um, you know, and I think that's the beauty of you having, uh, you know, been in different relationships is as you progress and, and whoever you're with next, you you can communicate so much better and uh, with more. Cl- you know what I'm saying? Like you can say, yeah. hey, this is who I am. This is what. These are my needs and things like that. And um, it just becomes easier because, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very I tell people goodbye at the top of the. I go, listen, I'm not going to tell you goodbye when I leave. I'm telling you goodbye now. All so right. Because that that's another hour. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other. A lot of handshaking, hugging. I, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. When I when I order food, I get my check up front. I, I don't want to. I don't need this whole back and okay. forth. I do that too. I take yeah. my card out right away. I'm like, I'm putting this here. So yeah. when you get that thing rang out, just go right. on slide yeah. it back. We're good. Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> I absolutely do that. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that is crazy. I did that. That, that uh, you know, but that comes with getting to know yourself better and and taking the time to do all the work that you're doing. Um, and uh, is there is there anything that you um want to share that we we haven't discussed? Uh, that. Well, I think that um, we talked about the average child experience study. One of the things that we really didn't dive deep on was the um, like brain chemistry and how your brain is altered when you have certain experiences. And so I would urge your listeners to learn more about the limbic system mm-hmm. and um, the amygdala and the role that it plays. And Jill, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor is a really good person for that. And I think those things are just like really foundational in understanding who we are and why we are. That, that being, fight or flight or yeah, fight, fight know, or freeze or freeze. You know, that's um, the when I look at the the Me Too movement, I realize that that uh, I wish that was more talked about. And, and tell me how you feel about this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you read all these different accounts of, of of Me Too situations and people are like, why didn't she just leave? Or you know, why didn't she just take off? And because the 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 amygdala or the limbic like is fired up, and so there's the fight or flight, but there's also like you said the freeze, where like you're like a deer in headlights and you're stuck. You don't know what to do, and um. And I think that that is uh, something that has not been discussed enough uh, in situations. And, you know, one of the things about brain research and development is that we are so far behind. All right. You know, just like a couple of days ago, the Egyptians were taking that thing out the nose. You know what I mean? So 
It's like, uh, and where we are with MRIs and CAT scans. And there's even, I was reading something the other day. Again, I am like such a research person. Yeah. Um, I was reading about gamma rays. And so uh, gamma rays, I mean, um, as far as like, okay, waves, I said rays. So there's alpha, beta, there's high beta, there's um, theta, and then there's gamma, like all those brain waves. There's not even enough research. Like we don't even know enough to know what gamma rays are doing. Um, and when we think about all of those things in the brain, it's like we have no idea. And the only thing that we're really rolling with is what we think. And that is so that's not OK. Like, it's not OK, because I would like to think that I'm a beautiful person. But if you were to read about me on paper, if you were to read my diagnoses, you would be like, oh, she like I've been able to hold an interview. Right. And I can like go to the bathroom and I can drive a car and I can do all these wonderful things. But if you were to read my diagnoses and then also my life experience, you would think that I'm just like this terrible person because I've experienced all these things. And that's not OK either. So it's really how we are, again, labeling, you know, all these all these experiences through our own lens. And we don't give people the opportunity to say, you know, this is me. Can I just show up as a human? And I've been through all these things, but I'm still human. And I hurt, you know, depression is really I wish I didn't have depression. I wish I could explain it to people because people still say things like, well, you know, just be happy. <laughs> if it were that easy, bro, <laughs> I would just pick that thing right up. And give me some happy. Right. It just is more to it than that. Thank you for like I always call it like aggressive head nod because it's like like right. you feel me in that. It's just like it's not that or even suicidal ideation. It's like I would really like to think about ki- like killing myself. I really like not not like to have those thoughts. Mm-hmm. I can't kill myself because um, my children. Right. But that is something I've struggled with since I was seven years old. And mm-hmm. so it's just like, but I, again, I have a history of childhood trauma. And so um, what I was saying is really about like fight, fight or freeze. I just think that we don't know everything that our brain goes through. Our brain has a specialized cocktail to help us stay alive. And that's what the Maybelline limbic system is about. And we can have a whole another conversation about that and have a whole another show about that. Just like the limbic system, because, well, with um, at alpha waves is right. It's the resting state of the brain, but it's where we are the most creative. Mm. And so I think that when we're in, you know, when we're in fight, fight or freeze, uh, we're, we're in high beta. It's like we're we're actually in execution mode at that point. And so you're in execution mode, but your execution mode is not as easy as why don't you just get up and walk away or why don't you just move their hand or why don't you remove yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, um, all of my um, every every time I was victimized, it was by somebody who was a family member. Mm-hmm. So it was that other uh, other level of, well, this is family. Like, how do I do it? And then when I did tell, I was totally disregarded. And it was just like, OK, don't tell nobody. Right. And so it was just so at that point, I learned not to say anything about any, any abuse that I ever, ever experienced. And that led to a trail of just terrible relationships, which is why that book I just finished is one long relationship that really comes from the trauma throughout. And so it was just the same scene you playing with many different people. And so I think like even with the Me Too, Me Too movement, I um I can appreciate that. But then there's so many things like, OK, well, he couldn't have been doing all this. And, you know, poor Harvey Weinstein and these women, how come they're just not coming coming forward? I had to explain to a parent. Um, one time because I do parent coaching as well. Like when you tell me I'm a coach, I'm like, yeah, not really, but I kind of, but I do parent coaching. And when I'm parent coaching, it's really to help them understand their children's diagnosis so that they can be the parent that they need, mm-hmm. not the parent that they want to be. Because mm-hmm. sometimes we don't get the children that we dream for. We get the children that, that we have. Mm-hmm. And so I had to explain to her because she didn't under this parent did not understand why her daughter had been molested by a female cousin. And 
this mom didn't understand why she was still going to hang out because this the victimization happened years ago. And so she didn't understand, well, why would she go over her house and how come she can hang out? How come she act like nothing was wrong? And I was like, you have to understand that she had to process that through the lens of family. She had to process that through the lens of, is this okay? Is this normal? And then, you know, even questioning her own sexuality because she wanted to identify as a lesbian. And so it's, there were so many things going on where it's like you don't know all of the cocktail that your brain is conducting and saying, OK, this is normal for you. This is not normal. This is OK. Just act this way. Um, you know, I can even it's think like about Whitney like Houston. You yes. know, right. I don't know if you watched her story, but, mm-hmm. you know, she was sexually assaulted. And then, you know, the, just you could see the struggle with her sexuality and who to discuss it with and how to say it. And, right. Uh, it's a very heart wrenching story. Right. And so, I mean, you know, when that happens to you, like powerlessness is it, but it's, it's powerlessness. It's there are always two things going on. It's something that happened and then something didn't happen. So I'm going to use my personal story and being able to disclose that I had been um, molested by a family member. OK, that happened. But that also means that I wasn't protected. Right. So there, uh, there's always two things going on. And wow. when we think about abuse and neglect, okay, so the abuse occurred, but that also mean that the abuse was not prevented. So there's always two ends. And where you meet in the middle is really where where that understanding comes from. Like, this is happening, this is not happening. So it's the presence of one thing and then the absence of something else. And so being able to, you know, even during my, my parent sessions and being able to talk to, to, to people about that, and, you know, I, I have no problem, like, disclosing my, my experience um, because I believe that it's helpful. Like there, every time, like even with my ACE post, or if I repost something about that, I've, that I've been through, um, my most um, active platform is Instagram. I get so many people like I'm suicidal right now. I'm like, girl, let me get you this number. Let me call with you. Right. We yeah. have a warm line here in Indiana. I'm like, well, you know, you can, I mean, no, you can't do that. Like, we just got to get this. We got to get through this and let's go like, let's find some commonalities. Let's find something for you to look forward to in the next hour. Right. It's like, what do you like to watch? Like, what's your favorite show? I connected with one young lady over Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, you know, I always think about things in our experience. And it's like, I love Buffy. I loved Buffy. And I never thought that, you know, in the late. What do you what do they call this now? It's not even 2010s anymore. In the 2020s. Right. right. That, that 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 would come back up in my love for vampires and like vampire diaries. But, you know, it did. And we were able to connect just on that. And so it's like, how do I make sure that as we end this little text exchange, I end up calling her. Um, that you have somebody that you can connect with so that you can be as protected as you need to be in this moment, right? There's so many things going on and so many people are hurting that I'm so thankful that you have this outlet so that we can be able to let them know that like I'm normal. Leo, I'm normal, right? I am. Sometimes I get depressed and sometimes I don't want to get out of bed, but I do and I meditate and I go through the day and I train people and we have a good time and I might not want to be bothered after my training, but I love you while I'm on stage. You know what I mean? So it's I'm normal, though. And it took a really long time for me to understand that I'm normal. And like you say, with that, that next person, I'll be able to communicate that. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to them being good. Right. Understanding their needs and me being able to to make sure that I'm OK. But I don't have to make sure I'm OK to make sure you're OK. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have to. I don't, this is what I have been like journaling about. I don't want to have to convert anybody. And I'm just not thinking about a relationship. I don't want to have to convert anybody into understanding who I am if it's uncomfortable for them. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to be, I just want to be accepted. Right. Like, and there, there's a lot of learning going on too, because I feel like I have a lot, there are a lot of dynamics to me as a whole individual. Like, it's like, as I said, this is outside of an intimate relationship. This is, these are my friends. Like as we have these conversations about, 
about life and how we interact with other humans in, in this experience. But I don't want to have to convert anybody and like prove that, you know, what I really am cool. You know, I can cook and, you know, I got curls. You know what I mean? I don't want to have to do all that. <laughs> I want it to be just easy. Like, you know, this is cool. Let's see what happens. You know, I like that. I don't want to have to convert anybody because, you know, it's because uh, even I know for me, it's, uh, you know, I find myself wanting to impress people, uh, people, please, um, you know, I'll, I'll be more attuned to what their needs are versus mine. Um, yeah. And as opposed to just showing up and being like, this is this is what it is. You know, this is <laughs> right. this so. is me. Like I am and I'm so comfortable in that. And like, if you can show up as you anytime you can show up as yourself. Like I am my own representative and people, people probably glean a lot of things like from you when you're on stage and they're seeing you. Okay. Sure. So while I was like doing a little bit Leo stocking, I just like died because my mom grew up with me. Like we were eating grapes all through the store. And so I saw that clip and I was just like, Oh, this is life. I'm done at this point. But, um, you know, people think they know a lot about you because, uh, you know, they see you on stage or, you know, people check out some of my videos. They're like, Oh, you know, you're this. And I'm like, I think that's really cool. But, didn't so for me like what you see on my instagram page my instagram is the most transparent i have ever been i'm like yo i'm depressed like yo this is going on like i'm the, the crown like my full people like oh you don't even look like you be sad i'm like girl i'm depressed in a mug and i'm like <laughs> i'm gonna roll over you know what i mean and so it's like the the pictures are always really nice but internally there's always so much going on and no i just want to be able to show up i just want to be able to show up and like this is me this is what i have and how can our experience complement each other Right. How can I serve you? I love that. Um, last question. I always feel like when people are listening, uh, there's someone who uh, may be on a precipice of, uh, com- you know, taking their life, completing suicide. What would you say to that person? You know, I would tell you to because oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's, no, you're going to add something. It sounded like it was going to well, be good. Yeah, well, I was just basically it's like before you kill yourself, what would you say okay. to that person? Before you kill yourself, think about the dishwashers running. And the reason I say that is because I'm a parent, right? And so I'm taking this from a parent perspective. Is the dishwasher started? Because if it's not, get up and then you'll find something else that's like really significant. And as benign and as petty as that sounds, there's always another cycle. There's always so many things. And so for me, um, struggling with depression every day, waking up to just have to remind myself that I have the opportunity because yesterday was gone, but today is going to be a yesterday too, right? So looking towards what's that next cycle? And I truly believe that you can create it. And let me just go ahead and put that out there. Hit me up. Like I I make sure I go through all of my DMs. Everybody sliding in my DM always gets a response. And so if you feel like that, you just want to like bounce some things off of me, go ahead. Uh, You can find me at, at Skyburger. Um, I was going to change my, my whole thing, like sky B, but I'll just keep the burger for now. <laughs> so it's S K Y E B E R G E R. But, um, think about that next cycle. And if you don't have a dishwasher, it's okay. Just think about that next cycle. Um, because there's always more like this, this is just one layer. That's one thing that I have learned, you know, in these 37 years looking like I'm 24, or 22, it's amazing. But, um, but there's always something else. There's always another chance there's always, you know, that next thing. And so when I got my little remember, like my little suicide tattoo, I just I got one recently. And it What's was even, suicide tattoo? well, it's um, it's the um, 
you call it? Why can't I? Oh, because I had EMDR Infinity. today. Like, right, um, I'm sorry, what was that? Infinity sign? Yeah, it's an infinity sign, and then it's also the a semicolon. But oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just got that because it's really a daily reminder that um, you know we're not we're not promised anything, but we can make so many things happen. I believe that we are we're creators, right? I am a creative person. A lot of people say they're not creative, but as a creative person, I really believe that whatever that next cycle is, you have a lot of influence in it. And even though it seems like you don't, because I know I've been in spots where I'm like dang, this is it. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I call like a hotline, like I'll, I'll call a hotline. It was, it was one point where I was calling just to talk to somebody because my kids were little and I didn't have anybody else. I'm like, I just need to talk to somebody. I don't have another human that I can relate with. Did you call the suicide or did you call? Yeah, the I, I would, no, I would call the suicide hotline. Mm-hmm. And it's I, like, it yeah, was, yeah. no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I've, I've done that a couple of times myself. It was just, I just want to talk to someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, I, cause I couldn't not in my life. Um, when I was younger, I had the option of trying and it never worked. So it was just like, okay, well, now I got, you know, now I'm still here. So um, I just think that there's there's always another page. There's always another cycle. So before you kill yourself, think about what else, what's next, and try to stop that momentum from going in, in that cycle saying, you know, you don't need to be here. There are people that love you. Um, I've had two friends that have committed suicide. And when I tell you that, when I think about them, it still breaks my heart that I could not have stopped it or been there or seen something or said something. And so you are valuable, right? I want you to love yourself enough. And if you don't love you, get in contact with me and I will teach you how to love yourself. I promise. I love that. That is a great way to end this uh, episode. I will teach you how to love yourself. Thank you so much, Skyberger. As Besides yeah. your Instagram, is there another way for people to reach out to you, to contact you, to find you? Well, actually, my um, business is called Door Opener Academy. Um, I do have a Skyburger website, but it's so old. Y'all can go there and probably reach me there. But DoorOpenerAcademy.com. Um, it talks about a lot of the services that we have for families. Um, but Or you can email me, Sky at Skyburger.com. And remember, Sky has an E on it because I'm sparkly. So S-K-Y-E. <laughs> that is my real name. But S-K-Y-E-B-E-R-G-E-R. So Sky at Skyburger.com. All right, and I'll link uh, her contact information and all the books that we talked about and different resources. That'll all be uh, in the show notes. Thank you so much, Skyberger, for uh, taking this time out. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please, if you need to, uh, remember this is this episode, this podcast is not a substitute for going to get therapy. Go to therapy, get in a group therapy, call someone, anyone. It doesn't matter who. Call the 1-800-SUICIDE uh, number or the 1-800-TALK uh, number. Those are always listed in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye, Sky. Bye. Take care.